Tonight I want to share with you a word that the Lord gave me back in, in January. And um, how, many, how many folks have kind of uh, been in, a, in a, a meeting or a, a prayer meeting or you know, in the presence of God just like we were now and, and you kind of, everyone else seems to get it but you haven't. Or, yeah, yeah. Or you walk out of a, out of a, a service and people say, God, wasn't Greg awesome today? And someone else goes, oh, I never really kind of, you know, what he's... And they said, the anointing was all over it. And you go, well, it didn't quite appear that way to me. Um, and so I was, I was asking the Lord about this. You know, like, how many folks here have been at The Rock for more than two years? Okay, so most of you, so that's cool. So we've been, we've been on this amazing transformational journey, yeah, over the last two years. Who, Cindy Rickeri brought a word about three years ago that said who we are today is not who we're going to be and who we are going to be is not who we will be. Well, how, do, how many people know that who we are today is not who we were two years ago? Who my brother Greg is today is not who he was two years ago. Yeah, because I can tell you quite categorically, if he was still who he was, I don't know whether I'd be here. Okay, and I say that in love, and, and, but you know, I just, I just see the awesome grace gift on Greg's life and I just see what the Lord is breaking open in this, in this house um, through Greg and through the hunger that people in this house have for more of him, Yeah. And so, as an elder, I was kind of saying, how come, how come some people get it and some people don't? Fair enough question. And the Lord gave me, an, well, he didn't give me an image as such, but he impressed something into my spirit while we were worshipping. And as I reflected on that after the, the meeting that we were in, the Lord spoke to me and showed me how four conditions affect the way we respond to him or not and to what he's doing in our lives or in the life of um, uh, the rock. Um, the image the Lord gave me was of people crying out to him for rain, crying out with anguish and passion, crying out with faithfulness, and dedication, praying with endurance for God to send the rain of his spirit, singing songs even. Um, Let it rain, open the floodgates of heaven, singing songs and wanting God to pour out his presence. The picture was one of real desire. The only problem was that it was already raining. And this didn't invalidate the prayer, but this was the impression that God printed on, on my spirit. Most of the people involved could not see it was raining. Some saw and were dancing in the rain. That's a bit of a scary sight, probably doing the old Pentecostal two-step. <laughs> um, no, it was actually more like um, you know, some of the more uh, younger people, you know, sort of the whoop, whoop um, type. <laughs> but they were, they were, yeah, that's right, you got it, there was pumping, you know, is that, yeah, fist pump, yeah. Um, some were dancing um, in his presence and, and there was a third category 
of others who saw it was rain but didn't recognise this as a thing of God. Okay. As I talked to the Lord about the picture that he impressed on me, I sensed that his heart was hungry for his people to see and be released into a greater sense of intimacy with him. I asked the Lord to reveal why people could not see or recognise the rain and it's the four things that he gave me that I want to share with you. Now, I also, want, also had a sense that this word was, was an encouragement, okay? So this was not the Lord saying, I don't know why you don't get it, okay? So it's not a sense of criticism or condemnation. This was a sense of the Lord wanting to bring enlightenment to people about why it was that they either weren't experiencing the fullness of his reign, why they couldn't see the reign, or why what they perceived they didn't recognise as his move of God. So the four things that he impressed upon me that were stopping people either seeing God move or entering into the reign of his presence are firstly what our mothers and fathers told us. Was it Freud who said, you know, we've all got a problem, it's our mother? Um, No, I think I just made that up, I think. Um, Secondly, what the weather forecaster tells us. Anyone here from the Met Office? Okay, good. I can, I can tell bad taste weather jokes then. Um, so what the weather forecasters told us was the second thing. The third thing was what others tell us and expect of us in the rain. Okay, third category. And the fourth category was what happened to us last time we stepped into the rain. So those are the four categories that the Lord showed me were things that were impediments towards us uh, stopping. Our, our parents, the forecaster, um, what others tell us or expect of us and the fact that last time we got really wet. <laughs> um, I want to unpack each of these with you a little bit. Before I do that I want to share two thoughts which kind of underpin what I'm sharing. The first is the importance for us as believers to be in God's presence. Now, oops, you might say, well... That's no big deal. I know that God is with us all the time. David, in, if you want to turn to Acts 2, Acts chapter 2. Actually, I like calling it, I know um, Greg started calling Revelation the revelation of Jesus Christ. I like calling Acts now Acts of the Apostles because that's the name of the book. So I quite like that because it actually means these are things the apostles did. Okay, So Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 5. For David says to him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence. So to quote out of of Psalm, I think 31, but for David says to him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence. I love this. David recognised the presence of God. He saw the Lord in his presence always. That's good news, isn't it? And and it's not just for David, but we need to learn to do the same, to adjust our hearts until we realise he is here. Because the fact that God is with us, on us and in us is one of the most vital elements of the Christian life. But... This cannot and must not be a theory. Yeah? 
if we know that he is always with me and yet do not experience him, we cannot settle there. So I'll say that again. So if we know that God is always with me and yet we don't move into that, we cannot settle for that. The truth is that God of the universe is and always must, uh, the knowledge that God of the universe is with me must always propel me into experiencing his presence and encountering him, not just leaving it as a, as a thought in my head that God is with me all the time. We must keep pressing in until we behold the Lord in our presence. And, you know, on a practical level, uh, halfway through the worship, I was, gonna, I was, I was committed. I wasn't gonna, when I was going to get up here, I was going to say, look, I don't think it's finished. We've got to keep, keep pressing in until we experience the presence of God and, um, and be hungry for it, yeah, and want it and, and, and keep pressing and keep pressing until, until we meet with the Lord. Um, and yet I think at times we kind of settle. We settle for what we've previously known or we settle for, man, that was an amazing time. Greg asked, asked an interesting question. Um, when was it? About five or six years ago. No, it was more recent than that. Um, and it was, it was about the, the disciples in the, who fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. And... Um, and how, what, did, what, what would have happened if they'd stayed awake? I think that was your question, wasn't it? What would they have experienced? You know, and I, I sometimes think, you know, there was a mighty experience that they had, and, you know, and that's cool, but, but what might have happened had they stayed awake? And I think sometimes it's a bit like that. We come this far in worship, but what happens if we press in a bit further? You know, we, we kind of read God's word and he meets us and he reveals something to us, but what happens if we press in a bit further? What happens if, if we take that truth that he's actually brought to us and actually start to walk in obedience to that and do it? What happens then? Gee, maybe he might, you know, what is the, what's the parable of the talents? You who were faithful in much, to much will be entrusted. You know, perhaps if we start stepping into the things that God's talking us to us about and start possessing them, if we start pressing more into God's presence and he starts coming more towards us and we start coming more towards him, then maybe the sense of intimacy that we enjoy with him now won't be what it will be tomorrow or the day after. Maybe, probably, I think it will be. The second point that underpins what I want to share is the need for us to be in tune with what God is doing today. Now, and not to rely on the way that things have been. Greg referred, isn't that annoying? You know, like I sat in the service this morning and about five of the things I was going to say, and I'd written them down already, Greg said. So now I have to say it and it makes it sound like I'm parroting Greg, but anyway... That's all right. I've got plenty of crackers. Um, <laughs> uh, Greg referred this morning to being on the same frequency as we pattern our lives on the life of Christ. So I think, I think we, need for, we need to be in tune with what God is doing today. If you want to flick over to Joshua 
chapter 3. Joshua's in the Old Testament. It's about the fifth book, I think. It's a great book. It's a great book. It's a great... um, Because I think Joshua... Joshua, to me, is a book about possessing our tomorrows. And I, I... it's, it's a, read it cover to cover. Young people, if you haven't read it, read it. It's a great story as well. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Then Joshua rose early. Well, there's a whole message in, in that. Uh, <laughs> I tried to share that one with my three kids. <laughs> and Benedict rose early. No, he didn't. <laughs> I like this, he rose early in the morning. Man, what time would that have been? And he and all the sons of Israel set forth from Shittim and came, came to the Jordan and they lodged there before they crossed. And it came about at the end of three days that the officers went through the midst of the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, with the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Well, you say, well, so what? Yawn. What, what had been the experience of Israel for 40 years prior to that? As they moved through the wilderness, how had God led them? Fire and cloud, okay? So for 40 years, people had seen that, that when the when the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud moved, they moved. Yeah? And now, Joshua is saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, go after that. How many of us in our Christian walk, you know, are still following the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire? Now, there's nothing wrong with the pillar of cloud. I mean, it was, God, it was God's pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. But the Ark of the Covenant, it's God, it's God presence. And now, now Israel are being told to go after that. I, um, I remember um, having coffee about six months ago with, with someone in this congregation, a friend of mine about what was happening in his life and what God was talking to him about. And he shared how excited he was with what God was doing. He commented to me how, he, though he had needed to unpack and re-examine almost all of his theology that had carried him so well through um, his Christian walk. And he said to me, we were in a cafe, and he said, if this tabletop here kind of represented everything there was to know about God. Not that we could quantify it, but if it did, then I reckon I pretty much know all but a bit of a strip around the outside. That's how much of God and my theology I'd kind of worked out. He said, over the last six months, I realised that actually I know a tiny little bit in the centre of the table. And you know what? I'm really comfortable with that. And... um, I think it's I think it's it's a bit like that. We 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 need we need to be prepared to kind of unpack why we believe what we believe, who we know God is. Otherwise, at times we can be. There's a whole message the Lord's giving me about about um, 
um, the first commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and lead not on your own understanding. It's kind of about, it's, it's about why is it so abhorrent that we create God in our own image? And I think it's, be, it's because of that commandment. It's because God, God doesn't want to be contained. God doesn't want to be able to be, be confined. You know, we, we're created in God's image. He's not created in ours. And yet, and yet at times we're hungry to define God in terms... I used to have an expression, the God that I know. The God that I know doesn't do that. The God that I know, the God that I know, my God... I stopped saying that about three or four years ago. But, but you know, it's like... I love, I love um, the fact that God is mysterious and there's aspects about his personality and his character and his nature and things that he does that I don't know and understand. You know what? I'm comfortable with that. So, better get on to the four points that actually were the whole point of the message, I guess. Is this all right or should we go back and sing some songs? Um, that could be a challenge, actually, for, for a 53-year-old man. <laughs> but I'll give it to my stronger, you know, more able brother <laughs> who will struggle as much as I did. Very good. Oh, see, that's love, isn't it, now? Okay. Right, OK, moving right along. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Um, firstly what our mothers and fathers told us. Um, from an early age, we are conditioned by what our parents or those people who have that parental role in our life actually tell us. Much of the wisdom we accept is good and sound, but some of it is strongly reflective of our parents' experiences and views. We love to please and obey our parents. In fact, we're told to honour our parents so that our days might be long. But in doing that, we can take on the, on the views about God's presence, take on their views about God's presence. Our spiritual parents can also condition us to live a life out of um, and at times away from the rain, which they have never experienced, as they define what the parameters of our faith in God are. Okay. I was uh, raised as a, as a Roman Catholic. That's a Roman as opposed to a roaming, although I was a, little bit, I was a little bit of a roaming Catholic as well. But that's a whole different story and, and we'll have to share that another day. And um, I, um, I'm very thankful for my Catholic heritage. And what I want to share is not actually about my Catholic heritage but actually so much about how a lot of who a lot of who I was and how I saw God in particular and yet alone the Holy Ghost was actually formed by the views of my parents or actually my mum because my dad was dead at the age of three. So I saw God as being distant, um, to be feared, someone who kept account of my wrongs. Um, my upbringing shaped my ability to perceive who God was and what he was doing. Um, and, um, and so I think from a very practical point of view for me, uh, what my mother and what my, my fathers in the faith actually told me as I was growing up actually influenced 
how I, how I saw God and how I saw the move of his Holy Spirit. Okay? And it's not just about the Roman Catholic Church. If you were raised as a, as a, in a Baptist church, you've probably got views about church government. If you, know, if you were raised in the, in the Brethren Church, you've probably got role, views about, about the role of pastors. You know, if you were raised in other churches, you've got views about communion or or intimacy with the Holy Spirit, or forgiveness, or, or, or you know. So, so I think who we are and, and what our parents have told us as we're growing up influence our ability to perceive what God is doing. And that's not a, it's not a, a, a good or a bad thing, it's just a thing, okay? And so what God was showing me was that actually um, we need to be really clear about ourselves, and this is true for the whole four things that he's revealing, about who God is for ourselves, not who other people tell us to be, tell us who he is, or what his experience um, is through, through, uh, to them. The second group was actually what the weather forecasters tell us, and by weather forecasters I mean significant people in our lives. We often model ourselves on people who are important in our lives, taking on characteristics attitudes, beliefs, mannerisms or ex- and even expressions. Important people in our life can deliberately, for our own good, or accidentally inform what we do. Forecasters also tell us what the weather will be like. They're seen as wise people who understand and can read what the weather will do. Um, how many of us, well probably not so much in Wellington, but anyway, have dressed for the weather when we've heard the weather forecast? Um, <laughs> Maybe it's more the other way around here, but taking raincoats to protect us from the rain. Leaders influence our views on what God is doing. They help us to understand the season that we're in and how we need to respond, but sometimes their voices have told us it's not raining. It's not raining. Um, Sometimes they've said, well, no, that move of the Holy Spirit and move of Pentecost and and that, that was all about the first century church Um, immersion baptism that's not necessary Um, and 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 people start to influence uh, how we see God you know saying things like well it used to rain it used to rain but it doesn't anymore or um, it is raining it is raining yes but you need to stay inside because if you go outside you'll get wet you can't trust those Pentecostal people you know Um, you're best not to go to that church um, just stay here with us, it's much safer. Um, when I became a Christian um, many years ago, um, I had a very close friend called David Fraser um, and uh, David uh, discipled me. Not that we ever called it that, we just sat up and talked till all hours of the, all hours of the night about God and what he was doing and, and helping unpack all the questions that I had. I found out later on that was called discipleship as he walked with me and, and shared. You know, David was an, an authentic person. He, he showed me the importance of prayer in my life, showed me it. Um, he told me the truth about baptism. He had an expectation about baptism in the Holy Spirit, an expectation that I would speak in tongues and prayed for me until I, until I had the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. He told me about the importance of beholding God 
in my presence. And, and he, he told me the importance of coming into God's presence and allowing myself to be transformed by that. I'm, I'm really thankful that my, my experience of a forecaster was one who, who well and truly knew the season, knew the time and knew what I needed to do. But you know what? Your experience of a forecaster may not be like that. Um, and so sometimes weather forecasters can stop us moving into what God is doing. Thirdly, what others tell us and expect of us in the rain. You know, Ingrid and I lived in Canada for a year. Well, it wasn't a year. It should have been a year, but we had to come home early. Um, and when we lived there, we, um, we enjoyed um, a very long winter. You know, they say in Canada that there are eight months of snow and four months of bad skiing. Um, <laughs> and um, and it's pretty, it is pretty much like, like that. Um, uh, but uh, it's a lovely country. We had, a, we had an amazing time there, you know, but there are very clear rules about what you do and what you don't do when it snows, you know. I mean, our coldest day in... In, uh, in Ottawa was minus 42, um, you know, minus 24 with an 18 degree wind chill. So, you know, there are, there are really clear rules about, you know, what you do and what you don't do. You don't take, you don't take the trash to the gate and your jandals and, and stubbies. <laughs> Often. <laughs> well, you must have at least done it twice because the next door neighbour got a good photo of it. Um, and uh, the trouble is that if the banister's even a little bit wet, your hands can um, stick to the to them, and um, you need to find some way without ripping your skin off to to get your hand off the railing. Not that I did that, um, but we you do have to tell the kids don't lick, don't lick the banisters. <laughs> now, what, if you've got a four-year-old boy and you tell him don't lick the banister, what do you think Ben's going to do? Peter's much smarter. Pete says, Ben, lick the banister. <laughs> Fortunately, Izzy was nine months old and she didn't get you know, told to do anything. But there are very, sorry, there are very clear rules about, about what you do and what you don't do when it snows. And if you go against the wisdom of the crowd or the culture, and what's culture? Culture is the way we do things here. Then actually... Um, there are, it, it does raise issues. You, it can be very difficult. It can mean you can be branded irresponsible, reckless, just plain silly or a dumb Kiwi. Um, others' expectations have a powerful influence on our behaviour in church. You know, we don't do that sort of thing here. You know, we're into free worship, but don't bring any words here, Kirk. We don't do that sort of thing. You know, no speaking tongues, that we don't we don't do that. We don't do that here. Um, but um, others' expectations shape how we behave and how we respond. What the Lord impressed on me about this group was that they knew it was raining. I think that refers to what some term a pharisaical spirit. And what do I mean by that? The Pharisees were outwardly very moral people. They were religious and zealous and considered by many to be models for how others behave and yet John the Baptist and Jesus um, ridiculed 
and um, uh, saw them as a source of disdain because with all the knowledge and understanding they had, they were blind and not only that, they prevented others seeing and participating. And so, so I think we need to be really clear about who we're more concerned about pleasing. Because I think this is quite a big issue for us as Christians. Um, certainly it, it, it is and probably will continue to be for me at times. Um, there's an issue, we're, we're all pretty good at putting on our, as well, putting on our Christian masks. Oh, how are you, LJ? Gee, I'm great, you know, life is really, really good. You know, it's like, Greg, oh, just great, man. And here am I feeling pretty scummy and I've talked to five people and life with them is great. I must be the only one who's got problems, you know. Oh, well, I, I suppose I better just tell them that I'm great. You know? Yeah, so this is the church with everybody being great. <laughs> so what's so bad about me that I'm the only one? I better go to another church then where, you know, other people have problems. Or I better just get a better mask. Um, or actually maybe I should start to, to be real and say to folks, you know what, I'm not so good. Do you want, would you like to pray for me? You know. No, we don't pray for people like that. <laughs> actually, where, where were we when, when, um, when we offered to pray for someone and it was like, oh yeah, no, I was at work, that's right. I said to someone, oh, um, someone was telling me about, about a situation, doesn't matter what it was. And they said, I, I said to them, oh, well, look, you know, actually, no, they asked me, would you, pray, would you pray about it? You're a Christian, would you pray about it? I said, sure, let's go, let's pray now. And they were like, oh, no, 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 when you get home is fine. When you get home, no, no, we can do this now. It's all right, we don't need to wait till later. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, but, but you know what, I think we're like that at church. Yes, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you, Simon. I'll pray for you. Well, no, let's intercede now. Let's do it now. Um, we have to have an understanding of God, and yet um, uh, we have an understanding of God, and yet can be blind to anything but what we're expecting to see. The importance of being able to enter God's presence yourself and hear from God, I don't believe, can be over, overstated. Fourthly, um, what happened to us when we were in the rain before? Our past experience and testimonies can be both a source of strength and a barrier to what God wants to do in our lives. How many of us have been disappointed because God has not done it the way we wanted it done? (laughs) In the last week, (laughs) in the last day. Mm, Yeah. Um, Even when we stepped out and did what we felt he was asking us to. Stepping out into the rain involves taking a risk. Stepping out into the rain a second or a third time involves taking more risk and that's spelt F-A-I-T-H. Mate, I'm, just, I'm going to have to start preaching before you. <laughs> the kind of faith we read about in Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. So if you want to turn to Luke 18. Now I've got over Greg here because he only used verse 8 <laughs> this morning. <laughs> now... Now he was telling them a parable to show them all, the t- uh, so show them 
to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. That's got to be worth. That's got to be worth reading, doesn't it? He was telling them a parable to show them all, to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. He should put a a yellow sticky on there because to pray and not lose heart. Man, that sounds like something I should read more than once. Saying that there's that in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man and and there was a widow in the city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. And for a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, least by continually coming she wears me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. What did the unrighteous judge say? He said, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because the widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection, at least she continue to come and wear me out. Okay, right. Now, shall God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them speedily. However... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Or some versions say, this kind of faith. Sounds pretty cool. So that's the kind of faith that says, you know what, I stepped into the rain last week. I did everything I thought God was telling me to do and I got wet and I just got wet and I had to get changed again. So... So, but you know what? I'm going, to step into the, I'm going to step in again this week. You know, I'm going to put aside what didn't happen last time when it rained, when the rain, when I went into the rain, and I'm going to make sure that I don't let that experience stop me from doing it again. You know, I I've have a bad back, and I've been prayed for a number of times about about my back, and you know, I, I don't know why the Lord hasn't completed. A healing in my back, and for a long time, I, you know, I sort of suffered some personal, you know, like I tried to, what was it, rationalise it, you know, I was like, oh well, you know, God's obviously busy on other house calls, you know, there are there are more important people than me that need to be healed, that's all right, Lord, I'm I'm comfortable with that. Well, maybe maybe I don't have enough faith, maybe that's it. I don't have enough faith. Yes, if I had more faith, if I had faith. Half a mustard seed. That might, that, might, that, might, that might get me there. I need more faith. That's what I need. Um, and that's, that held me back. And I'm not going forward for prayer. Not this week. Someone in the audience here has got a really bad back, lower back, probably L3, you know, little pain running down your leg. You know, I want to pray for you. Oh, it can't be me. There'll be someone else who'll stand up. Probably not. This is probably just me, okay? You probably you probably never thought like this, but in case you in case one day this happens to you, just remember this. Put a yellow sticky beside here when this happens, and you can go, oh, I remember what that guy said. That's right, he struggled with that. So, so maybe I should just maybe I should just have that kind of faith to pray and to keep asking. Now he was telling them a parable to show them at all times to pray and not lose heart, pray and not lose heart, pray and not lose heart. Okay. I'm still praying and not losing heart. 
And if anyone wants to pray for my back, I'm quite happy to let them pray for my back. Okay, closing, he said. Um, God wants us to lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us and run the race with endurance run the race with endurance that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lay aside every encumbrance was the bit that the Lord said to me about. The stuff that is holding you back, the stuff that is stopping you moving into what I want to do in and through you, the stuff that's stopping you entering my presence and receiving the stuff that I've got for you, the stuff that's stopping you seeing the rain, the stuff that's stopping you because last time it rained and you got wet, Lay that aside. He wants, us to act, he wants us to actively put off the attitudes that are stopping us. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be more concerned about what he has for us than the attitudes of others. And lastly, he wants us to continue to seek him for ourselves and not rely on the perceived wisdom of others. So, can I encourage you to reflect on what I've said tonight? I said that there were four things that would, were stopping us entering into the rain. Firstly, what our parents told us. Not literal parents, people who have shaped who we are as we're being brought up. Secondly, I said it could be forecasters. It could be significant leaders, people who have had an influence on, on you and your Christian walk. Thirdly, I said it was about other people's attitudes and views about what you should do. And lastly, I said it was about what happened last time. If any of that resonates with you and and you want to come forward for prayer tonight, we've got folks who will pray for you. If it doesn't, that's okay. What I'd ask you to do is to have a think about this during the week. Because... These, these are four things the Lord laid on my heart. These might all be for me. I don't think so. But they, they, might, they might be. I might have just got up here and, and shared with you a personal message about what God was intimately talking to me about. Um, there might be other things though for you. But the key is that if you are not experiencing the rain that is coming down now, the presence of God that is saturating, the open heaven that is here at the moment, you are not experiencing that. Ask the Lord why. Don't just say, oh, I just don't get it. You know, <laughs> Greg gets up there and he gets all excited and, you know, and LJ seems to have it. You know? You know? <laughs> yeah, Dave, we're still, we're still wondering about him, but, you know. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, you know, but yeah, one of the things that really surprised me, okay, I looked at, how many people know Jeremy. You know, Jeremy runs the children's church. That guy is off the hook, okay? You know, it's like, but what do you do? Do you say, oh, Jeremy's off the hook, don't go near him, you know? Go and ask him, why are you off the hook? If you, can't, if you don't get it, go and talk to someone who gets it, who, who, who you can, you know? It's like, go and ask them. Say, can you pray with me? Ask the Lord, reveal to me why I don't get it. Because God doesn't want just this... He's not playing a game where he says, you know, 
I've got my little club now, okay? Simon English, he can fall flat on the floor. He's in my club. Jeremy's in my club. LJ's in my club. You know, Ingrid, Greg, they're in my club, okay? Mike, well, ooh, you keep working. Um, get, you know, work on that mask thing and, and the rain thing, that, and that, those four things that I gave you. And maybe in a year you might be in my club. You know? No. Hayley, she's got it. Go and ask Hayley. This, God wants everybody to get it. Yeah? Okay, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough, yeah? Right, thank you Lord. Okay, what are we going to do now? Are you going to come up and, you know, sing us a solo? No, come up and, you can bring a few friends with you if you like, okay? So, um, thanks, I should have actually told them to come up, actually um, this shows, I haven't preached for five years so you can see, you know, I'm a bit out of practice. So I should have got, I should have said now, you know, can the band, you know, can just come up. Come up on stage now. That's, we would have had some soft, no, organ, no, we've got no, no organ. So we couldn't have had that anyway, but we could have had nice strumming, you know. Okay. But we couldn't, or we didn't, okay. But we, we can now, any moment. I'm filling a gap here, right. Not very, not, not, not very well, but I'm doing it. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. If, you, if something, anything that I've said has touched a nerve with you and you actually feel that God is wanting to transact something with you tonight, right now, then please come forward. Don't leave this place until the Lord has, um, you've had a chance for someone to pray with you about what it is that he wants to do. If not, please take this home and reflect on it. And if you're not getting it, can I just ask one more thing? Go and talk to Haley or, or Mel or someone in your circle who you think has got it. Yeah, we're in a family here. You know, we're not here by accident. We're here by design. The Lord's placed the people in this house around you to encourage. You know, there's this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on. You know, we're all wanting us to get to the, the finish line and, and to and to succeed. You know, it's not about it's not about a small group of people doing their thing, it's about all of us, yeah? So please do that.